So, the big question is this. How are ambitious people like us, who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. Please like, share, and subscribe to get new episodes, videos, and other updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. I'm your host, Manuj Agarwal. And today I will be talking with a multifaceted man. His name is Sean Mosley. He's an interaction designer by trade, but a podcast host and criminal justice reformer by passion. Sean holds a Bachelor of Science Computer Engineering from the University of Central Florida. And he also holds a master's degree in human computer interaction from Georgia Institute of Technology. Uh, We are so excited to have you, Sean. Thanks, Manoj. It's exciting to be here. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get started. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do, uh, your experience and background? Yeah. So I am an interaction designer. And so for most people, uh, like how I would describe it to my parents, mm-hmm. I design software. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and that's my day job. So I'm focusing on how do you make the software easier for people to use um, and recognizing that we're not building these, all the software and code and things for the machines to use it. It's for mm-hmm. us to use and for us to live better lives. So that's what my day trade is. And like you said, by passion, I am uh, a podcast host and mm-hmm. a criminal justice reformer. And so um, with the podcast, I have my own show, which is successful while parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, the focus of that is to explore what is it like or how do parents still somehow manage to do great things as an individual? Mm-hmm. How do they still pursue their own individual passions? How does that work out? Yeah. Uh, so I really wanted to explore that because once you have a kid, it's just like individual becomes second <laughs> and I was like dude they, there's a secret sauce that I don't have and so that's where I started with the show awesome that's great uh, so you know you have all these uh, various interests and uh, you know one can uh, one can argue there is not a huge amount of overlap between these so how did you develop passion for these various uh, various things and and how are you managing juggling all these priorities so that's a definitely a great question and one that I've like arrived at recently, which was I had to actually cut some of my interest. Um, I mean, these three are now my top focuses outside of taking care of myself uh, and taking care of family. Um, my three personal interests are design, podcasting, and criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Yeah doesn't fit in those three I've had to drop it um and some of the ones I've had to drop or are uh gardening and Mm -hmm. rapping like I had an interest in rapping and I was like I've always been interested in poetry and had a huge um I not even had I have a huge affinity for music Mm -hmm. but 
I had to look at it and say, which of these passions are going to bring me the most joy and and are going to be the most fulfilling to me. And so I had to make those decisions to cut out the ones where it's like, all right, well, I can do a garden part-time, but I'm not going to be the best damn gardener I've ever could be. But Mm -hmm. I had to make that, that trade off. Um, And so for design, I got into it uh, starting off as a coder. And I was like, I wanted to bring back the human element and really understand who I was building code for. And so then I got into design. And with criminal justice reform, it started off as I was volunteering for, uh, with part of my fraternity. Um, and it was, at the, at, it was down in Atlanta at the Fulton Juvenile Justice uh, Center. Mm-hmm. And on the weekends, we would mentor young black youth, or maybe not, not necessarily just young black but, but young youth that entered into the juvenile system. And uh, the reason I did call out the young black is the fact of for most kids, once you get into incarceration or for young black men, once you get into incarceration, it's a pipeline that just yeah. feeds from the juvenile justice system into adult jail. And wow. it's a continuous cycle. So mm-hmm. I got in there and learned about it. And I said to myself, look, rather than just complaining about how bad things are and how, how some people are just so unfortunate, I'm going to do something to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one book that really lit the fire in me is The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a fantastic book highlighting the war on drugs and mass incarceration in the current age. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and so that sparked me into that. And like I mentioned for the podcast, that was kind of a, I have a kid and I still have yeah. the interest. There's sure. got to be a way. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've ha- I have two kids and uh, definitely once you have kids, you know, your life takes uh, uh, a second um, role uh, in the family's life. Uh, yeah. But uh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, the prison reform, this, this passion that you have. So it almost feels like this is, you know, a community service you're providing. Like there is no, you're doing it um, with no expectation of anything uh, coming back to you, right? Like, uh, so, so is that correct? Yeah, I would say it's it's not with the intent of a personal gain or a direct gain. It's more of a helping the community do better. Yeah. So, you know, the, the satisfactions you get uh, by helping community and helping others and giving your time. Um, how does that play into your overall life quality and and your entrepreneurial journey? So for me, it feeds everything um, into it because uh, I've read the book, The One Thing. Uh, are you familiar with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Evan, Evan's book? Evans, you said? Yeah. Is it, is it written by Evan Carmichael or? Uh, no, it's uh, Gary Keller, I believe. Okay. It's something, I think it's Keller. Okay. Maybe uh, it's a different book then. But the 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 whole thing is that we draw our life down to one primary goal and purpose. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the fact of I need to be able to share the wealth of my privilege. Um, And, and what that means is the fact that I've been born into a middle-class family Mm -hmm. in America. Uh, Although I'm not perfect and set ahead, I do have a lot of advantages that a lot of other people have don't have the chance to Mm -hmm. um and so i've wanted to share that and 
that's been my life goal and what I've recognized like my my purpose is what I bring it all back to my purpose is helping out and sharing out the the wealth of the privilege that I have yeah um and so yeah so the this criminal justice reform lines up right with it yeah and yeah that's awesome. Uh, you know, we have audience uh, worldwide. So I just want to mention in U.S. there is, uh, you know, there is uh, this issue, ongoing issue of uh, incarceration of, of uh, people, of criminals. And, you know, proportionally speaking, U.S. has the most people in uh, jail uh, as compared to the, the population that the country has. Uh, so it's, it's a big problem and uh, that's what Sean is talking about and Sean um, I completely agree with you you know giving um, and uh, you know helping the community it actually comes back maybe not in monetary terms but in terms of you know your personal satisfaction and your vigor and your uh, happiness uh, and I have experienced the same you know when I give um, I get that satisfaction and sooner or later you know in many ways it comes back uh, tenfold yeah and and I'll I'll also be honest and say I heard it on another podcast uh, that was talking about um, giving back to, to poor communities and helping them get, get up. Is and I, I was tackling white supremacy um, by Tim Wise, and he was mm-hmm. saying, you know, honestly, a lot of it is selfish. Mm-hmm. It's it's I'm also tackling this so that the world will be a better place. Yeah. for my kids to enjoy and and it's also something that it's like if i lift up my community that means everybody around me will enjoy it including my kids so yeah. I, I mean i guess you could say it's also part selfish <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean well i mean it's not selfish but yeah i mean in a way it is uh but in all you know in short you know to to sort of summarize it uh giving is not giving as as people think it is because it's basically investing, right? Investing yes. in your own journey, in your own destiny, and uh, and uh, people around you. And uh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. Um, all right, coming back to a little bit more sort of tactical uh, topic about design. So tell me uh, how important this is uh, for a tech entrepreneur to take into consideration this concept of design. How much time they should spend on this? How much resources? they should spend on it uh, when they're launching their company? So design, I would say, and I mean, this is my super biased opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I would say design is super important um, for the fact that at the end of the day, no matter what your product or service is, mm-hmm. it's meant to serve people. And design is about figuring out what are the actual problems that people have and they're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the right amount of research, you can get very far and make sure that your product or service is successful. And so if you look at anything as far as even the lean startup, mm-hmm. that is similar to design in the fact that you're going out and testing the market before you even try to create a product because mm-hmm. you could spend two years trying to develop this product and it turns out nobody even needs it. Yeah, yeah. So the main thing with design is if you put that cart, or if you put that at the front of the cart and you make design the horse that will pull your product or service, yeah, yeah. definitely flourish because you're going to go and figure out where the people are, what they need, 
and then you'll be able to actually know how to meet them there. Sure. And um, can you uh, share with us any interesting stories of uh, people who really failed at design and thus, uh, you know, basically went under or their company did not survive because of uh, serious design flaws? That's a good question. I can't think of anyone that has done poorly with design. Um, I mean, I think by nature, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to avoid the, the ones that are not well designed. Mm -hmm. But what I could say is a company that has changed uh, and gone pretty much about face because mm -hmm. of design is Microsoft. Uh -huh. I, uh, I mean, if you think back to 10 years ago, the, the iPhone's coming out and Android's coming out and we're going from a world where Microsoft Office was the leader mm -hmm. uh, and, and there was even the, uh, the Windows phones. They were cool at the time. Yeah, yeah. That started to get outpaced and everything Microsoft was secondary. But now... Microsoft has taken a lot of time, reinvented themselves, mm -hmm. and really thought about who they're solving for. And now, not only are, are they creating great products that are changing, they're improving the old ones, and they're thought leaders in the accessible design space. Um, and for anyone that's not familiar with accessible design, um, and I hope I'm using the right terms, so I know that there's accessible design, inclusive design, and universal design. Mm -hmm. And they're all very similar, but yet have its own unique thing. So hopefully I'm saying the right one. But the whole point of accessible and inclusive and inclusive design is to say, it doesn't matter what your abilities are, or if you are <coughs> blind, hard of hearing, or have any other disability, mm -hmm. you are still able to use that product or service. And as a business, there's two reasons you should consider accessibility. Um, again, upfront is one, if you're not going to consider how a one person, one armed person would use your service, then you're one, losing out on potential customers. Mm -hmm. And two, you can also be held liable for like lawsuits and things for not being accessible. Yeah. ADA compliant. So, um, I mean, just looking at Microsoft again, turning the ship completely about face to go out and go from being the laughing stock of mm -hmm. what bad software was to now being a thought leader in the design space is is kind of it, it shows their their, yeah. their worth. Awesome, that's great. Um, I mean, uh, I've had I have some interesting stories about Apple. You know, when uh, when Steve Jobs left Apple uh, in his sort of first term, and then they started designing some products without him, and there were some terrible, terrible products that Apple came out, and nobody talks about that. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, you know, in, in I think, 95, uh, Steve Jobs came back, and then I think he launched iMac as his first product, which was a good success. Um, that's, those are interesting stories. Um, Anyway, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you run a design consulting company, is that correct? No. Okay, <laughs> my mistake then. So tell us, you know, do you work for um, uh, a larger corporation or a startup or uh, what kind of work do you do? 
Yeah, so I'm at a uh, large corporation. I'm at Intuit. Uh Um, And so I'm working uh, on our design system there. And our whole focus and mission is being able to help and accelerate the designers and developers around us Uh in order for them to solve the customer problems more efficiently and effectively. Uh And um, how important or what is the difference between design approaches for a mature company like Intuit versus a startup? So I think the main differences that you'll see are the the time available. Mm -hmm. For a larger company, you have the ability to um, stretch out the research, um, move a little slowly, take a lot more things into consideration. Uh, you have to consider your brand name and things. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a startup or, or something self-funded, you have to move quickly. Um, and you need to be able to do things cheaply and get that feedback quick. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think those are the, I think time is the, the key difference. Um, and, I mean, it's not to say that one is better than the other mm-hmm. uh, because as, as with any and everything, both sides have pros and cons. I see. And so, you know, okay, so the time and resources, obviously that's, uh, you know, that's in short supply in startups. So if you were to design, let's say, you know, you needed to do the exact same thing for a startup that you're doing for Intuit, which is to, you know, design the software uh, and make it easier for the customers to use it. How will your approach change? Like, will it be a little bit more um, sort of, brief in terms of how much time you devote to each component or how will it be different? Yep. So the key difference that I would do there is keeping things way much, much more scrappier and being less in the mindset of everything needs to be perfect. Um, I know that that can, for myself at least, Mm -hmm. uh, I can lead myself to paralysis analysis and not get anything done and waste that quality time. Whereas uh, with just accepting the fact that, look, it's not going to be perfect, but I'm going to go out, I'm going to meet with the users, I'm going to see what they need, and then I'm going to improve my product based on that feedback that I've got. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of um, sort of, you know, I think, in my opinion, there are a lot of misconceptions about what design is. A lot of people think uh, about design being you know more uh, sexy images colors um and uh, you know i think design is much uh, much uh, uh, bigger and uh, it should be taken into large into a larger context so um what do you think about that like what do you uh, define design as absolutely so it is way more than just a visual aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that I've come to grips with recently is recognizing if you look at the term designer, it can be used anywhere. Uh, You can be a landscape designer. You can be uh, a party designer. And so a word that, like like you said, has such a strong meaning, Mm -hmm. uh, it can be so confusing and, and, and I mean, I don't want to disrespect anyone else's craft, yeah. but it can, it can, it can become watered down. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, is a lot of people, when you mention, Oh yeah. Um, 
uh, I'm a designer. They're like, oh, you're into fashion? And it's like, no, 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 not that type of designer. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's a, a lot of confusion in, in what that is. Um, and so, yeah, what was the other part of the question of the value so, of it? Yeah, so how will you define design? Like, you know, I, in my opinion, when you say, you know, we design the software to make it easy, it's, it, it may actually involve, you know, taking out all the colors and making the, the interface, you know, totally black or, or black and white or gray or whatever. Um, so I just wanted to get your opinion, like, you know, how do you, how do you see a well-designed product? Like, you know, what are the characteristics uh, of a well-designed product? Or- gotcha. Yeah, so for a well-designed product, it's, it's going to be one example that, um, that we often hear around as designers is the well-designed product is the one that you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about pen and paper, like that's something that is ubiquitous and we use it all the time. Um, and it's been around for so long, so it's been improved. We don't have the ink in one spot and then a quill in the other side. And have, like a lot of these things are not synchronized. Yeah. Um, and another good example, which I don't have, I've envied and I've wanted to give, but I'm in a rental. <laughs> so I haven't gotten it, but it's the Nest uh, home thermostat. Yeah, which yeah. is something that you can set it and not think about it after, like forever, forever long. Yeah. Um, and that's good design in that you get the job done, which the job at that point for like the Nest thermostat is set the house to a comfortable temperature yeah. and it's done easily. Or if you want to take notes and make a reminder, you can quickly do it with pen and paper without thinking about, oh, the pen needs to uh, start up or I'm not getting any signal on this paper. Like yeah. it's, it's very easy and direct. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. And uh, have you found uh, in your experience, uh, the design principles that you apply on software, are they transferable to other domains or other industries? Um, you know, take for example, auto, auto industry or, you know, a construction industry or any other industry for that matter. Absolutely. The, the reason why I say absolutely is because with true design, you're focusing on the human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in all of these industries, uh, whether it's service industry, automobile industry, humans are still at the core center of it. And by being able to think of the people involved and what they want and how you can deliver delight, it really opens up a lot of opportunities to see, to meet that and provide it and, and take it to the next level. And once you've exceeded someone's expectations, that leaves such a much more positive imprint and they are way more likely to come back and say, wow, I want to go back to that business over there. Not only did they deliver my food on time, but it came with a free drink or or something just to just to, again, improve the design and think of what would make this experience extremely quality. That's great. Um, All right. So earlier we talked about Apple and, you know, as you know, uh, Apple uh, sort of uh, blossomed into a very uh, well-known company with the invention of the PC and everything. But then uh, during the 90s, it sort of 
started to uh, die down and it almost went bankrupt. And then now Apple is one of the, you know, the most um, valuable companies in the world. How much uh, role did design play in its uh, ascent? So that one is tough. <laughs> I've, I've heard mixed things because, of, of course, this is me on the outside of what it what they were able to do yeah yeah um but from my perspective i think what they were able to do um one they they did do a lot of thinking about how people would use the products mm-hmm. um and so it was very user centered uh and the only reason i hesitate is because i don't know how much testing they did i know apple's very secretive yeah, yeah. Um, and all these other pieces. So it's, it's, it's very complex, but for, as far as, um, what they did, I think one thing that really helped them was their intentionality and, mm-hmm. and focus. Um, one of the things that was famous about Steve Jobs coming back was him cutting out so many different products and saying, no, we're not going to be distracted doing this, 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 and this, we are going to focus and start nailing home and truly delivering an, ex- an uh, excellent experience yeah. when you use this. And so I think, I don't know what they did for design. Um, so I can't really speak to that, but it, it's definitely that intentional focus and that, that, that uh, laser vision Mm-hmm. It's what I think has led them to such massive success. Yeah, that's a very interesting observation. So, um, you know, again, I think uh, this was my misconception as well. And uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people think that way. The design, uh, in my opinion, was focused on the software. But I think you rightly pointed out that the design should be actually focused on the on the human who is going to use it and then work backwards. and you know, implement uh, all the bells and whistles that need to go into the software to to match that expectation. Exactly. And uh, as any designer will tell you, it's a cyclic cycle of what do users want? Let's build it. Let's test it. See how they like it. Let's ship it. All right. Now, what do users want on that? And and it, you just keep going and over around. Design is never done. Awesome. Uh, can you share with us any... Uh, you know, specific design that you're proud of and that was very well received by the users? Hmm, that is a good question. So I'd probably say one that I'm, I'm particularly proud of uh, was a multimodal experience. Uh-huh. Um, and I will explain. <laughs> yeah. um, so, it's a multimodal experience was the fact that, and, and it's a multimodal experience is one where you're using multiple modes of input. Uh, and for our case, it was using your voice as well as using a touchscreen. Okay. And what happened was you would call into uh, an IVR or the computer that you would talk to on the phone. And we would say, Hey, we know that you want to, send your car in for a repair uh, in order to help expedite this process. Can we send you a text and start this new journey? 
And so we'd send you a text with the link and you'd click it and open it up. And while you're on the website, you're able to still use your voice with it. Mm, I see. And being able to add in, because we all know using the IVR sometimes are painful. Uh, whether it's it doesn't understand you appropriately or whether it's painful waiting for it to go through that list of numbers before you get to the actual uh, thing that you want. Mm -hmm. But with this, it was able to communicate so much and still be able to use your voice to do a few things. And so that was a a very fun project. Uh, And I, I was glad being a part of the design of that. That's great. Uh, it sounds very uh, intriguing, like very innovative uh, idea. Yeah, thanks. That's great. All right. Uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with us about design. Uh, I think a lot of people got a uh, lot of value out of this. Now, before I let you go, can you tell us uh, once again a little bit about your podcast, about your website, and how people can reach you uh, if and, uh, uh, you know, whether you are able to help them on any design-related questions or projects. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for my personal information, you can go to seanmosley.com and you can reach me there. I should have my email available for you to reach me. If not, you can um, email hello at seanmosley.com and I'll get it and respond as quick as I can. And for my podcast, it's... uh, about being successful while parenting and trying to explore all of the different ways that people are able to be successful as an individual, even as they are a parent. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, this was a fun interview. Um, do come back again sometime. All right. Thanks, Manoj. Thanks for having me. So again, I'm Manoj Agarwal, and thanks a lot for joining us on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop, Bootstrapping Your Tech Startup Dreams. Go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and I look forward to helping you with your tech startup.